My name is Diana and this is the Family Finance Show, the podcast to help you manage your family's finances better. Every week we share an episode on topics relating to increasing your family's income and managing expenses, controlling your debt and investing for the future. Welcome to the Family Finance Show. My name is Diana and today we're talking about getting started with investing, which is such a great topic. And I'm excited to have Esther Mukumbo here with me to talk about how we can get started with investing. But before we start, I think the important thing to note is just that people shouldn't jump into investing before getting the other things right. So make sure you don't have any bad debt. First of all, you have your emergency fund um, saved up, then you can go wild with investing. And investing is so exciting and such a great topic, I, I feel, because it's something that can produce passive income for you. So you get paid for doing nothing at all except keeping your capital invested. So it's a very lazy way to earn money. Um, but Esther, welcome to the Family Finance Show. It's great to have you here with us today to share your knowledge with our listeners. Hi, Diana. Thank you for having me on the show. Happy to be here and uh, happy to share what I've learned and what I know so far. Great. So to get started, if somebody is ready to start investing, they've got the emergency fund paid up, they don't have, um, they don't have any store card debt, they don't have any credit card debt, and they want to get started with investing, how and where do they get started? Okay, so I've, I've, I've sort of have a three-step plan that um, anyone can sort of follow in how to start investing. Uh, step one for me is um, find disposable income in your budget. So initially, people think they need a large sum of money to start investing. Um, I, I think this is not true. You can start with, with whatever amount you have. Just don't wait. Start with what you have. I initially started uh, my investment journey with 500 rand and over time grew this amount to 2000 rand. The reason I started with uh, 500 is because this is what I could afford and knew I could maintain this amount over time. It's very important to start with an amount that you can um, easily keep investing over time because it's, it's about building a habit. It's about getting to the habit of putting money away that you won't need for a long time. Um, so I, I really like that point about just starting with, with something that you can really commit to um, because it's that commitment and that habit that's, that is the important part. The, the amount actually is so irrelevant. It's just developing the habit. And as you said, you grew that from 5,000 rand a month to 2,000, uh, sorry, 500 rand a month to 2,000 rand a month. That's a massive increase. Um, but, but developing that habit with the 500 was the important part. Would you agree? Absolutely. I think it was it was just saying I need to commit to this on a monthly basis. It doesn't matter what happens, but it's an amount that I can stick to that. I won't give myself um, excuses as to why I cannot do it, but it's something I could easily manage and to get myself motivated to start. And as you start seeing the improvement over time, you, you become more excited about investing and you, you find ways of finding disposable income within what you're getting to increase that amount over time. And then the second um, part for me is, was where to invest. I think we, we know that there's, a, there's usually a lot of noise uh, from different sources of, sources of information 
um, when considering what to invest. You know, there's information from Twitter, there's information from, you know, all sources of, of, of media. But the most important parts for me was access to information. Do you have access to information? Do you understand the investment that you, you, you're making? And how will it make money? How will this investment make money for you? What sort of returns would you be able to get from this investment after you've invested over time? After deduction of fees, what is your actual return on the investment that you're going to make? What fees will you pay on this investment? Um, an example for me was I started um, investing in retirement annuity after starting uh, my first job. And I really fully didn't understand what the fees were in, in this retirement annuity product. I invested, but over time realized that the fees that I was being charged were quite high. And as a result, whatever I was going to get at my retirement age was going to be actually less because of the exorbitant uh, fees I was paying. It's crazy. Uh, I also had a, a similar experience, but even later on in my um, journey and uh, with the company pension fund that we had to be part of and the fees there were, were really high. I'm actually doing an episode on this on the fees next week because um, it's such an important part that people don't really understand. Um, often people just take investment advice um, around uh, from family and friends around a bri like oh, you should invest in this mm -hmm. stock or that stock and people just um, trust their friends which they should but when it comes to investments that's where you should really interrogate yourself as you say this is it's so important to to know what you're getting yourself into and if you're an amateur like i was a real amateur when i started i had no idea you have to arm yourself with education otherwise you can make some really costly mistakes like you said about your retirement annuity no, absolutely. And it's something I think we need to take into account when, when deciding where to put our money is really interrogate the fees, interrogate, you know, what is my real return at the end of my investment journey or when it comes to an end. Um, the third point that I thought was really important um, was what to invest in. Um, this should be based on your investment strategy. So things to consider, uh, what do you want your investment to do for you? How long are you doing this investment for? What are the investment, what are, what are your, what are you investing for? Your investment, your investment strategy will help in determining which asset class mix to invest in. We know that there's different you know, investment classes such as cash, equities, properties, or whatever um, asset classes are out there. But your asset allocation will depend on, on what your investment goals are. Um, what is your risk appetite? What is your risk profile? You know, these are some of the things that can really help in determining or coming up with an investment strategy for yourself. And that's where you can really educate yourself by reading books and um, listening to shows, podcasts, that kind of thing, as to what your investment strategy should be, um, depending on your profile, as you say. So for different profiles, there's different investment strategies. Some people like property. Um, older people need to have more money in cash because it's, uh, it's risky. They've got a shorter investment rise and all those kinds of things that you need to consider. And I, I would think also people, you shouldn't try to get too fancy. People should just um, stick with 
a simple strategy to start with. Of course, you can get fancier as you go along and as you learn more. But I think if you're just getting started out, uh, don't try to even don't try to diversify too much in terms of asset classes, because if you've got 500 rand a month to invest, if you're trying to diversify 500 rand a month, it's going to be really tricky to divide that between property, cash, bonds, and, and, and stocks. So what would your advice be for people who, as when you started with, let's say, 500 rand a month to, to invest, um, how did, what was your investment strategy at that stage? And has that changed over time? So when, when I started, I, I initially started with, with exchange-traded funds because for me, I thought to myself, this is really like a basket. I consider it a basket full of different fruits inside it. So it has a variety and should anything happen to one of those fruits, the other fruits will still be fine. So I started off with exchange-traded funds. Um, I started off with a local one, the, the usual one, the top 40. I started with the top 40 because I thought to myself, even if something happens or goes wrong, for example, you know what happened with Steinhoff, I was sure that there were 40 other companies that were still going to be fine. And eventually, if, every, if, if things got worse, Steinhoff would be kicked out of the top 40. So that gave me some level of comfort that my 500 rands would be safe um, in case of anything happening to that one company. And I, obviously I was interested in a lot of things, so I, I quickly bought more than one exchange-traded fund over time. And my investment strategy has sort of changed. Um, that's one thing I, I took away from this, is because over time, as you get to learn and know different things, it's a journey. You, you start realizing, you know what, maybe this is, is a bit too many exchange-traded funds I've got in my portfolio. Let me maybe change and shift things. I only need maybe a maximum of four, as an example, as opposed to having 10, um, because they're duplications of, of the things that each, each things contain, each investment class or exchange-traded fund contains. So I started sort of cutting down, and I've, I've refined it over time. The, the most important thing for me was starting but as you go along and you get more information, you start reading up, you start, you know, um, hearing from different perspectives, you sort of start refining your strategy over time. You don't have to have it perfect at the beginning. Um, you can just start. And then as you start learning more and more over the years, you start realizing, okay, I can do this a bit differently. I don't need this, this exchange-traded fund. I can replace it. This one contains a similar product. Let me stick with this one. And it's just the constant refining. I think for me, in my almost four-year, three- to four-year journey of investing, I've realized that it, it becomes more refined as I'm going and as I'm learning more about, about this process. And also as your life changes, so as you have children, you, you think of um, uh, investing in a slightly different way or um, you have a house, you have a question of whether you should pay off a bond or invest more in the stock market. So all of these things that you couldn't have potentially envisaged at the start of your journey and many other things that we don't even know about will, will start impacting our investment strategy. But it's fluid, as you say. It's something that changes as you change and grows. And, and as you say, the important thing is just to start. I think um, in my experience, that was the scariest part. 
So I had everything in place, but actually to get started was really uh, took a bit of a leap of faith for me, and it was it was hard to just just do it. So I did it via that was back in when was it like two thousand and seven? Um, I, I started investing via a um, uh, um, via a debit order with Satrix. So I just had a debit order that went off my account each month. I didn't have to think about it. So that was uh, made it easier for me to just start, but. Whoever's listening to the show, if you if you want to start, the important thing is to get your strategy in place and do all of the stuff you need to, but then just start. And there's some practical things about starting, like opening a brokerage accounts and buying shares and looking at all the fees. Do you have any advice for people on how to, the practical start part of getting started, like how do you go about opening a brokerage account and all of those steps that you need to take? Because they can be quite intimidating if you've never done it before. Do you have any advice for people about how to do that? Yes. Um, so for me, I I just basically, I, I Googled. Google is my friend. I Googled um, about different brokers. When I started off, I was with, with one broker, um, which turned out to be a bit expensive at the time. I didn't know. But as I started listening to, you know, uh, uh, Warren, reading books from Warren, from, from other um, experts in the industry, I, I sort of found my way to, to, to one of the cheapest brokers in, in, in South Africa. And I, I went online. Um, I, I found them online and I went through the literally YouTube. I Googled how to register. And I, I registered my account. You know, they usually need your usual FICA documents, um, your copy of residence, your ID, all those good things. And it was all done online. So you can do it online. Um, I'm not sure if I'm allowed to mention the name, but I use Easy Equities as um, the platform. I, I found it to be one of the cheapest platform. So I went online, um, I found the link, I clicked uh, a register and it'll usually give you a username, you need a username, a password. Once you're through in the first round, it'll ask you for FICA documents. So just have a copy of your ID, uh, proof of address and the normal FICA documents that you would need with a bank is the documents that they need. And once you're done, uh, you find yourself on the landing page. And I started with, with you know, products that have been around for a while. And one of the, the, the top 40 is one of the most talked about um, exchange-traded funds. So I went there, I checked out the minimum disclosure document, MDD, which usually gives you what sort of um, companies, underlying companies an exchange-traded fund is um, invested in. And you could see in the percentages there, you could see, okay, this, this investment uh, leans more towards, uh, you know, NASPERS or BHB, you know, the top 40 companies on the JSE. And from there, you can sort of determine to say, okay, I like this and you, you buy, just buy a little bit. If, you, if you're nervous, I know um, people that have started off with a hundred rand as a start, and they just buy that they, they for example 500 rand they they you know split it into two 250 250 buy a top 40 locally and one uh an international um etf like uh your snp 500 and and over time as you reading and get to know a little bit more you start refining yourself and start thinking okay 
I want, uh, you know, local exposure. I want more foreign, you know, your China now, there's a China ETF. You want an emerging market or you want to go offshore the US. And you start thinking, for me, um, that, that's how I started. Exactly. And you, you also get um, more comfortable with it as you go along the process of buying shares and the costs involved. So you just have to get started, try it out, and then keep going. And there's so many resources, as you said, on the internet uh, that teach you how to, the process about how, how to go about it. And it's actually really quite simple. And then I suppose the last thing is actually to keep going and not to give up. And that's why you've got your emergency fund, because things happen along the way and the stock market crashes and uh, coronavirus hits and the economy contracts, all of these things do happen along the way and they're going to continue to happen. And the important thing is not to give up, just to carry on going because um, as we talked about in the episode on compound growth, it's really the time that's the important thing. Of course, the return on investment and the fees are important, but um, the time that you're invested is so important. So if you withdraw all your money at the first dip in the stock market, you're really going to lose out. It's, it's at that point that you have to keep going and keep going for many years. Probably you're going to be doing this for 30, 40, maybe even 50 years you're going to be investing. So that's, that's also an important part of investing is not to give up. Mm, and, you know, the, the old saying of Rome wasn't built in a day is, is so important because, you know, you've you got to start somewhere. I like the saying of 1% of something is better than 100% of nothing. <laughs> so true, so true. Um, and then as to the last question that I have for you, which is a question that I ask all my guests, and I know you have um, two beautiful kids. So what would your, your best piece of financial advice for your children be? It's to start early. Um, for me, I, I obviously didn't have that luxury. I learned the hard way and had, I started from zero. And if there's one thing I want for my kids is for them to start with something. Um, I don't want them to be in the same situation I was in. So I've started for them. I've already opened their own investment accounts that they have for, for each of them. My, my son is seven and my daughter is four. And every month uh, I put that 500 rand away. I've automated it so I don't uh, stop. And it keeps me honest and it keeps me in check. But I know that when they turn 18, there'll be something waiting for them. They won't have to start. And, and like you said, it's all about time. Uh, you know, the impact of time on, on your investment is amazing. Um, all you need is time. And if you can start as early as you can, do it. I agree with you. I think that... that, that um you're giving your kids an 18 year head start. So even if the amount is fairly small, even if it's only a hundred rand a month, that 18 years of compound growth does much more for them than, you know, starting with a lump sum. So yeah, that's uh, that's great advice, I think for, for anyone else with kids. So thanks so much for sharing um, all your insights and um, all your experience and, and learnings on your investment journey with the listeners of the Family Finance Show, S, and um, wishing you all the best with your investment journey. And thank you so much for, for having me. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. 
make sure you subscribe to the podcast to stay on the journey to improving your family's financial well-being.